competitive 40k network presents art of war art of war strategy and tactics discussions with the best players on the planet on the planet with your host paul murphy and expert coach nick nanavati Hey everybody, welcome to the Art of War. My name is Paul Murphy, your host. This is the podcast where we talk about all kind of stuff coming up uh, with Warhammer 40,000. We have uh, Matei Cesar joining us. Hey, how are you guys? And Nick Nadavati as always. Hey Paul, good to have you back. Yeah, thank you very much. Happy New Year to everyone that I've uh, just speaking with over here. Uh, Nick, had a great time over the holidays with some great guests. People have not checked out those shows, they should. Yeah, it was a lot of time, good times. We, had, we interviewed Quentin while you were away, and then also uh, Matt Morisali, both talking about LVO, their preparation, and the new Arcs of Omen pack. Uh, which we'll actually talk a little about the Arcs of Omen and LVO on this episode as well. Obviously, big, monumental, cataclysmic things. This is part one of a two-part conversation. Matei, thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure. Uh, so you, and I hope I uh, did not put your name, so thank you very much. <laughs> it's, a, it's always a challenge uh, on these foreign guests. Uh, but so, so yeah, you're coming from a totally different part of the world than Nick and I. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and where you are. So you already know my name. I'm from Hungary. I'm playing 40K since six years. I joined at the end of 7th edition. More of a casual, like, get into the hobby player. I meet some new friends. And uh, I think at the end of the 8th edition, I had figured out I want to play more competitively. I enjoyed the game. I enjoyed not just the game. I think the everything that's around the game, the community, meeting new people, hang around after the games. So I dived in. I practiced a lot, read the books, watch some battle reports, listening to the shows as Art of War. Of course, one of the best you can get there. I'm a longtime member of the Art of War community. I had the pleasure to meet Nick. So basically, 40K for me is a hobby which usually takes off the edge. You know, you work every day, you have family, you have a bunch of stuff in your life you just sometimes want to get rid of. And when I play, I completely turn off and just focus on the game and have a good time. It's not, it doesn't matter if you win or lose, just enjoy it, basically. That's really cool to hear. And uh, I'm sure a sentiment that a lot of players share, and it's cool that we you know think the same, feel the same, and are from completely different social circles, you know, areas around the world, cultures. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, indeed. I know. I was in the U.S. for a good two years. That's where I met a lot of people from the other teams, and for one and a half year, I had the chance to participate on many GTs, RTTs. Even a few of the bigger events, I really, really had the feeling that that this is this is how we should play the game. So I tried when I came home, came home. I tried to give this mindset, this feeling to the other people, my friends, my teammates around here. So then, especially after COVID, you know, during COVID, you couldn't do much. And I think one of the reason I didn't get depressed or uh, get crazy in COVID because we had 40k, we had get to hang around on the weekends, play some games. Be, be with friends who you like, who you enjoy being, spending, spending time with. And uh, I think the community helped a lot for a lot of people. Yeah, I'll sit inside and paint miniatures. Okay. Uh, twist my arm. <laughs> yeah. And also the content as well. Like I know I was in the privileged position during COVID times to be able to play some 40K and produce videos for everybody uh, to watch with Art of War. But I feel like there's been, there was such an increase of content creation during that time, which has just continued to see through, which is awesome. 
episode, in this episode, we normally would talk about the list, but the list have just changed with Arx Moments. So if you can, though, uh, we're going to talk about the Chaos Space Marines, and, and in part two, we'll talk about how to adapt the list to what the new meta will be. But would you not mind just kind of running down what you've been playing recently and maybe what you might take to the LBO this year? Yeah, sure. Uh, so recently we had... Uh... I tried to explain it first. We had a GT so in Hungary. We have a ranking system which three of our good friends uh, developed. It's kind of like ITC. You get points for every tournament you go, but not based on not based on what's your ranking in the end. So not your score. You get points based on who you play against. So if you are better player player and you play someone who is lower ranked you get less points if you beat someone who is above you you get more points so it give a give a chance to the guys who not play that much or not as good if they beat someone who is better than them they get upper in their rankings so it's kind of like the elo system where do you play people you have a rank associated with yourself and if you beat someone better than you you get a lot of points if you lose to someone worse than you you would lose a lot of points Yes, yes, exactly. And uh, so even if you're a good player, you just can't really take the easier games. Like, I don't care, I'm going to win, because if you lose, you're going to lose much more than anything. So that's interesting that you, you guys use that ELO system instead of kind of how we rank things over in the ITC, which is just based on tournament performances over this course of the year. Is this done game by game by game throughout like all the tournaments in Hungary? Yes, uh, we use the WTC format here because in Europe that's the most common. And when we had the chance to travel to play somewhere like uh, team tournaments, uh, the winter team tournament, there are some fewer team tournaments happening uh, this year also. And of course the WTC. Uh, I prefer ITC. I prefer the player pace terrain because I played a lot and I think it's more fitting my game style. And WTC, of course, it's like playing in downtown LA. You have so many ruins, so many so many terrain on the board. It's a completely different game. But uh, we use that because that's what we vote for. So throughout the year, we, had, we have an RTT in every month and uh, three, four bigger GTs during the year. And actually, this year, I think we're going to have more. We try to do organized internationals. So try to get the friends around Serbia, Austria, Slovenia around us to come to us, play with us, to get more people involved. And uh, usually, at the end of the year, we have an invitational GT, which based on the top 32 players of the ranking is going to get into uh, eight different groups. So we divide by eight, the top 32 so there is only one player in each group from the top eight. So it helps the players who are in the top eight so they don't get each other on the first day. So they don't have to basically play the, the finals in day one, game one, and give the other people a chance to, to make it to the second day. So the first day is uh, uh, group games, like in the World Cup. You play everybody in your group, and the first two advances in the day two, which is uh, basically a 16-people RTT by points. Gotcha. So it's it's very similar to how the WTC actually ran this year. So you take all your players, you divide them into groups, and then the winners of those groups progress into day two. It's a nice way to do the tournament. You seed everybody based on their, their ranking to get those groups, and then divide it like one first player is in the first group, second seed is in the second group. So the best players aren't all in the same group. Is that the idea? Yes. Yes, that's really cool. So how's how's that? Do you do you find that like as a more fun? Because you've you have a really unique experience on this because you've played both in Hungary where this league and Incitational is going on, <laughs> and you've played in America for the past couple of years with the ITC season, and that that's a really nice blend of the different ways we play 40k coming together. 
So what do you think the pros and cons are of each of the different styles? Uh, well, pros and cons are, of course, the terrain is different. So usually people write their list uh, with the terrain set in mind. When you go, when you know what the, uh, the event you're going to use, you're going to try to uh, change the list, which I usually like melee armies. I like uh, the movement the movement things you can do not in your movement phase because the combat phase and everything else is just add too much of the game which can basically give you over the edge against armies that just shoot or just do one phase of the game but uh, i think the mindset for me is the same i usually write lists i like uh, i use the the units i like uh, such as when i go to the csm I never played flamers in my list because I think, uh, of course, rules are written, you can play them, but I think that wasn't intended and I didn't feel like it should be that way. Because you're playing Emperor's Children in you know, Slanish. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I could have. I, I didn't want to. I kept it uh, just pure and Emperor's Children. And uh, for the preparation for me, I, I think... It's hard to say that. For me, it's the same because I just like to play the game. The terrain is a thing which you have when you go to an event. You can't do nothing about that. Even if it's too much, too few player plays or fixed terrain, you, you play what you have, what you get, and you try to get the best out of it. For sure. I'm not even really talking about the terrain necessarily. I'm just still talking about the leagues and the formats. The leagues in which you play in Hungary have a different style to them than die TC with how they rank and how they seed, and then some people play on day two, so others don't. Yeah, I, and I'd like to talk about even how they're organized. Like, how did what was the so for for anybody that may be thinking, you know, hey, cool, I want to try something like this, even at a, at a smaller level, uh, where they are. How did it even start? Like, how did this come about? How's it organized? How are the points tracked? Is there someone that does it? Is it like a master record? How easy was it to get going? Like, what um, what's the process that led you to the actual play in the games? So uh, actually, I wasn't the one who organized it because uh, my friends, my teammates started it in January back last year. I wasn't still in the US. So when I came home, actually, I was <laughs> six months behind in the rankings <laughs> to everybody else who playing throughout the year. And basically, they have a spreadsheet. They have everybody's name. They have the points. Uh, we have a different, uh, different sheet for every tournament. And... Uh, it's an ELO system, like Nick said, and they just do it manually. They After every game, after tournament, they just add up the points, check who played who, and based on that, they get points. I know it could be an easier way. You can use uh, modern matrices for that, but I know one of my friends did it with hand uh, by himself manually, and uh, it was a great time he did it. But basically, we had more than 150 play 50 players this year who participated in the ranking. So we had a good amount of players this year who stepped into 40k, even new guys. And of course, we have like 15, 20 people who is, is a competitive player who is always there. And I think this system uh, gave a chance to the people who are not so divided, in, uh, not so into the game, like win every, every, of, every of their games because they are good. They just like to play, so they didn't feel like they go to a tournament. And I love I lose two games, win one, and I'm nowhere because of the game you win, you get points for. Yeah, I like that. I think it's really cool that even though it's so manual and and potentially awful to do 150 players times three, four, five games, um, I love the the passion that drives it just to try to get a, a scene going. That's really where the ITC started, like many many years ago. And that's how you get it going. So 
awesome to see Hungary get in 150 person tournaments. You'd never see that back in the day. It wasn't the uh, one tournament. We had uh, 150 people. People played throughout the year, dividing into tournaments. So I think the biggest one we had, or we had a 40 40 man GD, but we're working on bigger ones. The only thing we don't have, sadly, is place to play uh, above a certain amount of people because our clubs are, of course, smaller than the usual clubs in the U.S. when you can have 100-man GDs basically anywhere. That's one of the challenges to running the large tournaments I found in my travels abroad to WTC or what I've heard from Australian events is that the, the infrastructure of like the physical buildings is not really designed to hold huge crowds like America is and like to get those large buildings is an enormous amount of rent for the weekend or whatever you're renting it out for. An alternative way to running a tournament I've always thought of um, is instead of putting a lot of people and rounds in one weekend, you could spread a tournament theoretically over a lot of weekends, kind of like a league, but just, you know, you play a couple rounds on on this week and you play a couple rounds on the next weekend. And that's, it'll bring the overall cost down. It'll raise the time of the tournament up by weeks. But it could be a way to get a huge amount of tournament going, like, you know, 2,000 person tournament without having a five day long adventure. Yeah, that's true. And uh, uh, just you mentioned that playing a tournament, uh, not in one week. And actually, that's uh, my friends what's going to do in January and, and the start of February because the top 16 of our final. Uh, ranking in the year is going to play a single animation a stream tournament which is going to be streamed on youtube for other players to see and it's going to be like every weekend two free games and we just move on so everybody who is not getting but just like to watch a game they can watch it and we try to try to spread 40k to the players who are not so familiar in hungary and try to get more people in that's awesome i'm really glad to see that style of tournament kind of being out there just any, Do you any also way. let folks uh, get ITC points? I, I think a few of our tournaments, we applied for a token, but uh, it wasn't really in our head to do so. Uh, I, as I said, I wasn't organizing it. I think from this year, we, we try to get, I think you have to apply for a token for the tournament and then you can upload the scores. So that's why I usually we use BCP uh, for the for the final in the last year, we didn't use it because with the group, you know, the group playing, it doesn't really fit the PCP app. But I I single-handedly manually put up every game uh, with the scores every round so we can get get the tracks on and maybe some people who see, that, see their names on, you know, the 40K stats and anywhere. So, excellent. Nice. So, Mente, let's bring it back to kind of the 40K part of this discussion, not around the tournament side of things. Um, unless there's anything else you want to say about the, the league and the Hungarian 40K culture. I know my friends is going to listen to this, so I want to thank uh, all of my teammates and friends, especially Joseph and Gabor, who organize uh, everything throughout the year. They put in a lot of, lot of effort and spare time from their time to do this. So I'm glad we have people who sacrifice a lot to help the community here. Uh, it is not easy to... Both, I guess, to get folks to you know kind of buy into whatever you'd like to do, but then also all the maintenance and all the work and all the effort in between that. So that that's really cool that folks are doing it, and yeah, can't say enough. And to have this type of organization and then feeders to get people actually playing the game uh, is you know what it's all about. And everyone out there is doing it for the enjoyment of the players and to get that interest happening. Yeah, I think yes. being being a TO and organizing and starting a 40K group is one of the most thankless jobs out there 
uh, in the 40K community. So really special shout out there. And just we're happy to do our part to help raise awareness for the scene. So anyway, Mate, switching gears, onto your list, onto preparing for tournaments and the New York Civilian world. You're playing Emperor's Children these days. You were, what was the army you used to bring down this tournament? Uh, so I before this tournament, I had four or five smaller. I had four RTDs, and I went to a GT in Serbia, Belgrade, uh, a month before the finals. Uh, actually, for the five tournaments, I used five different lists, so none of them was the same because I tried to experiment on taking a unit out, adding another unit in. Let's say I don't have psychers because I don't want to give three points for thousand suns, or I want to get points against thousand suns and gray knights by not having a psyker so i tried uh, many of the lists but the final list i came to the gt was basically a single battalion i had a dark apostle with illusionary supplication and mental of traitors i know it's not the best choice for mental of traitors because his aura is just a leadership aura which can give around the board sometimes it helps but the main thing is the the relic uh, fight on the uh, fight last which you can do for zero cp and then I had the Master of Possession with the Liber Hereticus, of course. Uh, I have four units of Noise Marines, uh, each with a Chaos Icon, three Chainsword guys, one Blastmaster, and I think one of the Sergeant had a Power Fist. The other ones had double Chainswords, uh, Tem and Terminator Brick uh, with six Power Fists, two Chain Fists, uh, Icon of... Icon of uh, uh, no, they don't. They can get the icon. No, they don't. I had a ten-man possessed brick with uh, rune of black rune of damnation, so they had the minus one to wound, not the terminators. Uh, two more five mans possessed, and uh, to get around the wrist, I had for my warlord abandoned spoiler because for his points, he's still a beastic. He does does a lot against many armies. He, many armies just cannot handle him, and uh, it's so it's a big threat. They have to let's watch for it. So this list is obviously going to change, and the whole meta is going to change in Arcs of Omen, which is up and coming. We're going to really cover how you're going to adapt the list and your ideas for Emperor's Children and what the Arcs of Omen meta looks like in part two of this episode, so don't go anywhere. But for this list, you, you noted earlier that WTC has a lot of different lists and format differences that may want you to make different choices with your list building. What was your considerations going into this event? Uh, my consideration was... Uh, like CSM has bad secondaries. We know that. So it's high, it is to score 80 plus points, but I figured that WTC has his own scoring. So it's not by battle points. After you have your scores, you have to divide it and you get a uh, zero to 20 points. I think Nick, you're more familiar with that than I am. Right. So it's zero to 20. you take the differential in your actual 40k game score. So let's say you scored 85 and then. Paul, your opponent scored 67. The difference between those two scores would be 18 points. You take that 18 point differential and compare it to a chart. Every five points on that chart in your game is equivalent to one battle point in the tournament. So uh, you basically both players start out at a 10 10 as a draw, and then you subtract one point for the loser and add one point for the winner for every battle point you earn, which is five victory points. So essentially, a difference of 18 would be a 13-7 on your score on a 0-20 to 20 scale. Hopefully that made sense. Yes, yes, exactly. And so because of this format, there are... Actually, I don't like this for a singles event uh, because we had so many draws throughout the, the two days because we had close, we had close games uh, even in my final game. Basically, I lost it by four, by four, four points, but because of the 
the points work, it was a draw. So that's why I went undefeated. So I think I think this this scale of points is it it's more uh, bad for the losers because when you score high, but your opponents score even higher, you get less points. Apart from ITC, if you lose a game like. We had a game, Necrons played against Chaos Knight. It was an 80, 98 to 95 game, and it was a draw. But in ITC, you get a 95 point, 95 point loss, which is good. Well, I guess it depends from your perspective, right? Getting If you lose, that is certainly worse than drawing. So from then your scenario there, the 95 point Warhammer loss would count as a draw in the tournament in your WTC format. That would be better for the loser of the game. Well, those scoring systems are, are typically for a specific type of outcome, like because you're you're needing that differential or or not needing that differential for uh, the overall outcome of the the expanded event or what have you. That's true. It also just transforms the tournament into battle points, right? Because you're not playing for win loss. You're playing like win loss draw doesn't actually matter unless it, it did matter. But traditionally, so our tie, our tiebreakers was like the first one was uh, of course win then uh, WTC points, then battle points. So. Oh, wow. So actually, the battle points were the third tiebreaker in this whole thing. Yes. All right. So they, they were relatively negligible in the whole thing. So in does your, you're also going to LVO coming up, which is, of course, right back to America, player, place, terrain, and uh, old school rules. Old school rules, the current rules that we play with. Um, would you look to change your list at all for the format differences, the terrain differences, or are you pretty set on this? Is there any considerations you're thinking of? I, uh, I, I have a lot of consideration. Actually, I'm, I'm pretty afraid of LVO in the sense because I didn't play it in a player based terrain since months, and uh, I'm not sure how my list would work on it. Uh, so I don't know. I, I will figure out when I go there. Uh, the list, uh, I think I'm pretty much set. It's, it's about giving up five possess for five warp talents or get more one more character or not basically my biggest uh, thinking was do i take a baton or not uh i think i'm still gonna lean on to uh, take him because it might it might be his last tournament <laughs> with the list yeah uh, with the with the increase and the changing of the uh, data sheets and of course the arcs of Omen detachment and I'm, I'm not sure how it's gonna fit in or how can you do it but I, the list is solid. I, I had like 20 games with, with it. I lost the game. I had a draw. So I'm pretty confident in the list and running it. Why don't you kind of break down, I guess, on a high level, strategic level, what your list is trying to do? It it's, looks like Emperor's Children to me. But and so like normal, we've had Emperor's Children on before. But, you know, you have your own twists and turns and your flares to it. So why don't you explain that a little bit? And then we'll talk about Arcs of Omen and the changes that it's going to force upon you, whether you like it or not. And then in part two, we'll get into how to, how to actually change your list for that. All right. So my list was basically, you have these two brick, you have the Terminators who are sitting on the two up. Uh, basically one up in cover if they want to steal with uh, armor of content uh they are fast everybody is thinking that the terminators are slow but in emperor's children you can when you give them advance and charge and you put in a six for both of them you just zoom on the board you move 11 then you kill a guy with the master of possession with the ritual dagger and resurrect it and put it in the front so actually you are 23 inches away but when it's a charge phase, you have an 80 charge with uh, guarantee six from the Honored Prince. So it's a two up with a reroll. It's not bad. Uh, actually, the final game, <laughs> it came up uh, pretty badly. Uh, my good friend, who actually was the number one on our rankings, we had the final game. And uh, he forgot that I can move that much. 
and uh, he I believe he, he was playing craftful ladders and uh, he put the hogs back into his deployment. And, all right, they are fine there. And I'm like, all right, I have an 18 charge. And he's, ooh, uh, I think I pre-measured enough. Like, oh, of course, he could have moved way back with the hogs jumping around. So we had a talk about it and I told him it's all right. I'm not going to charge them next time. He, you're going to give me one back. So it's, it's not a big deal. We playing 40k. We want to play our best game each game. game so we don't want to win a game by somebody makes a mistake. Yeah, I love that sportsmanship. So, the the trick basically is you you can kill your own model, then resurrect your own model to add two inches of coherency plus a base, a 40 mil base to your unit to extend your charge range by like four inches. So in theory, standing 23 inches away would be outside of a 5-inch move plus a 6-inch advance, even a 12-inch declarable charge. That's all 23 inches. But when you add 4 inches to it with that resurrection trick, now all of a sudden you're 8 inches away, like you said. And with Honor the Prince, that's a very, very easy charge. So really, really nice sportsmanship on your part, Mate. But still staying outside 27 oh, I, inches so hard. <laughs> yeah, usually uh, it's I, I when I... I like what about sportsmanship is when you give, you're going to get it back. So because I made mistakes and we generally move because I moved some bad places and he's like, do you, you really sure you want to move there? Oh yeah, you're right. Just move back. So usually it comes around, goes around if you play Absolutely. honest. And uh, usually that's we how it's how we like to play. And that's how what we teach our guys who are new. I think culturally uh, so 40K has really moved in that yeah. direction. I love that overall. Yeah, so that's the Terminator brick. Uh, I was thinking about putting the minus one to wound on them, but uh, in this case, if I want to, I have a Tamman Terminator with uh, illusionary supplications so that you can only hit them on fours, no rerolls, in cover, two up, five up, armor of content. And I have a possessed brick, a Tamman brick, which is toughness five, minus one to wound. I can make them toughness six with a spell, and basically they move nine inches. They have 51 attacks hitting on twos, with the icon of slash, and uh, of course, it's if a baton is next to the terminators, you also have plus one to the charge. So uh, it's a, it's it doesn't feel like a fast and mobile list, but actually it is. The the possess even the five mans uh, do a ton of damage, and they can take out pretty much almost every squad in the game. So my idea with the list was I run forward, uh, stage myself in turn one, try to get some secondary scores. And uh, from that on, I'm going to react uh, what my opponent is going to do. He's going to come for me. I have easy charges. I know that um, Emperor's Children can, uh, in melee, you can, you can basically table a lot of army really fast. But if he play, plays the KG game, I have the Noise Marines with the Blastmaster sitting back and just shooting uh, five turns a game because you cannot get to them. And usually they are my back screen against armies that can redeploy or, turn, or teleport in. Uh, choosing secondaries was hard because, uh, as we mentioned, Chaos doesn't have two good secondaries. So my go-to was banners, mostly all of my games. And uh, nobody likes it, but I kind of like the Emperor's Children's secondary. Uh, I used it as a thematic way because you can easily score two or three points every turn. And if you get into the late turns when you're actually going to start and kill stuff, racking up four or five points... One of the turns usually score around 10, 12. Uh, of course, there is a long war, which I don't really like, because when you need to kill something on objective, you usually don't kill it. <laughs> and there is one mode that always stays alive. And uh, sometimes I used uh, War Ritual and Interrogation, though I only have one Psyker, so I give up my buffs. But uh, there are some games when you don't really need those, and you it, 
you'd rather take the 12, 15 points on secondaries than have resurrect the guy or buff the system. Nice. I like it. So standard Emperor's Children stuff, I'd say. Um, interesting secondary pick with uh, the Emperor's Children one. Usually don't see people taking that. Um, but with the new Arcs of Omen, it's getting a lot better. So I'm sure you'll you'll see a lot more mileage out of that. What's your? You have a lot of possessed, like 20 possessed, right? That's not a typical feature alongside the Terminators and with all those noise marines. If anything, I think you're a little bit lighter on your HQ spread. Do you think the, uh, do you think, was this, good for you like how would you find it uh so the last time i played chaos was the old list when you had the 40 possess with the minus four and five to hit uh, back in the eighth edition uh i like possess they are they're good good melee unit really good melee unit they're fast and uh with the five up invulnerable save they're kind of resilient of course in, in, in only in emperor's children when they get the slanish mark you can give them feel no pain which even makes them more tanky yeah, I'm, I'm a bit light on the characters, but usually I don't want my opponent to get too much secondaries out of my list because I already gave up uh, almost max on no prisoners. Uh, but if you want max no prisoners, you basically have to table me, which is really hard when you have 20 possessed and 10 terminators running at you because you cannot kill everything in a turn. Or if you can, then I already lost the game, so it doesn't matter. Uh, I had a master of execution in a few of my lists because uh, he's good. And I like it, but uh, usually when he had to do something, usually doesn't the damage didn't come through. And uh, one of my list, I had a Demon Prince with wings, which is a bit better to use the Mantle of Traitor on because you can uh, throw around the real one auras on the board, especially when you move forward with your Demon Prince and your Noise Marine sitting in the back. But I kind of like the list because uh, it doesn't give up too much secondaries because I have a hard choice to find my owns. I'm I was like, I give some hard time to my opponent too. So I, we have to really play the game, not the list. That was the basic idea of it. Yeah, makes sense. So uh, Chaos is in kind of rough shape after the Arcs of Element, I would say. Maybe maybe you have different thoughts on the matter. But we can build armies differently, which I think is nice for us because we actually get a fourth HQ slot if you want it in that detachment. But we got some nasty points hikes. Abaddon went up 50. So that's that's not great. I don't know, man. I still think uh, Abaddon's got a lot of advantages. I think that's fair. He's Abaddon. (laughs) (laughs) I think the 50 points was fair. Yeah, Uh, right. He he, he kills some some games. He almost killed the whole army by himself. Some (laughs) games he did did it against Blood Angels, basically. I played Blood Angels on day two, and basically he... (laughs) He walked into the middle of the table, put down a banner, and just sitting on the objective for three turns because nobody wants to go there and try to find fight him. Would you go try to fight him, Paul? That's your plan. I mean, you gotta, you know, that wound cap is uh, sometimes a real problem. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, Abaddon went up. Uh, that's fair. Do you think you're still going to include a Mete? Uh, no, I don't think so. Actually, I, I tried the list uh, last week without him and. Uh, against the new uh, Astromed Alarm with one of my friends. And uh, actually, I liked not having Abaddon. Uh, I had more units, of course, more body on the board. Yeah. The thing is, why I, what I, why, I, why I like Abaddon is some of the armies that just can't deal with him. Actually, they, they just can't kill him in a turn. And when he gets into his ranks or into the deployment zone or the other side of the board, 
he just kills everything he touches. It, it does feel like looking at, at army lists, you know, week in and week out, is that the list that didn't have Abaddon previously did seem, felt like they had a lot more stuff on the table. I mean, it's like, you could be talking about just one additional more unit, but it still seems to feel like a whole lot when we're talking about how to interact with the objectives and then your opponent's army and everything else. I think an interesting thing to think about is Abaddon was also showing up in other lists like Chaos Knights and that kind of stuff, is this points creep going to f- automatically force them out of those type of lists and back into just Chaos Space Marine list? Yeah, that's true. Uh, actually, that's, that's the... We didn't talk about it, but the only thing I play Emperor's Children and not other legions, because this is the only legion when you pay for your troop slots and they actually do something, not just standing back on the objective in your deployment zone and try to stay alive. So you play a lot of points for it, but they... They handle a lot of things. Well, actually, in the new rules, I would say that the, the troop slots became probably the only good thing you got at CSM. Your Terminators went up, Abaddon went up, your Marcus Lanesh went up, actually. But troop squads, legionary squads got uh, free upgrades pretty much across the board. So you can make some pretty potent units for not too many points. <laughs> First thing when I saw my Echo Froman detachment, I was like, all right, 10 units of Noise Marine, let's go. Yeah, right. Or you can just unlock that for and start with 6 EP, which is awesome. There's a lot of different ways you can go with CSM in the new detachments. I'm really excited yeah. to see where you're at. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Uh, I guess with that in mind, it seems like we're going that direction. Is there anything else you want to cover in, in part one here? I just want to ask Mate, are you, I mean, you lost armor at contempt, points went up. The meta is all over the place. Um, are you excited for the new game? Are you excited for CSM? How are you feeling? Uh, I'm always excited for the game. We had. Uh... We have a few groups we're chatting, of course, when there are new roles or leaks coming out and everybody's panicking. What are we going to do? Why GW do this? Why GW do that? And the army is going to get invalidated or just bad. And I'm like, we're playing these games for six years. They do what they want to do. We're still going to play it because we like it. So we have a new format. We have a new detachment. We have new rules. We're just going to work with it. If something is not working, we're just going to jump to another thing. Uh, basically, if you want to play the game, you will find a way to enjoy it. And if you're not enjoying it, you're not going to play it. Fair enough. Totally uh, with this, I guess let's go ahead and wrap up part one here. I want to again remind everyone this is part one of a two-part conversation. Uh, subscribers, hold tight. We'll join you again in part two. If you're just concluding here, please consider subscribing. Uh, get access to all the, the additional content that's not just this show, but I think some other stuff in the in the war room as well. Nick, tell them about it. It's AOW40K. That's the web address. And then you just sign up for our Patreon uh, really helps us support the show. Part two, we're going to talk about Mate and his CSM and how he plans to adapt this Emperor's Children list and really make it work in the new Arcs of Omen world. We're going to map out the meta, try to figure out what exactly you want to do in 40K. You can also subscribe to Art of War and Broken. That's where Blake goes into awesome detail, breaking down people's losses and trying to help them get better, often talking to people who come close but not quite in their shows. You can also check out the War Room. That's on our website. we got got plenty of new um, cool upgrades going on. Really, your support means the world to us, everybody. So thanks so much. Yeah, even if you're not a player of like the Emperor's Children or the faction on, on the Unbroken, hearing how uh, the players come to their decisions with this stuff is, is incredibly valuable. It helps you kind of even how you apply it to your own decision-making process with your own faction that you do play. Uh, I find these talks just really entertaining and also informative can't wait to jump into the next one everybody we'll see y'all soon don't forget to leave us those five star reviews we'll have some free way to interact with the show we'll see y'all next week like what you just listened to 
check out Art of War Down Under and Art of War Unbroken on the competitive 40K network. TheArtOfWar40K.com <laughs>